This is Christian Questions. Winston Churchill once said, I am ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. (laughs) Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us. And Jonathan, what is our topic on this fine Sunday morning? Well, Rick, our question is, what happens on Judgment Day? And our theme text is found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Judgment Day. The very sound of the phrase previews an ominous picture in the minds of most. Judgment Day, a day of great regret, great wrath, great sorrow, and great reward for both the righteous and the unrighteous. All this will receive what's coming to them on Judgment Day. The question is, how does it all work? Is Judgment Day a day to be feared by the multitudes of sinners in our world or is it actually is judgment day actually a day to look forward to folks stay with us as we look at and focus on judgment day a little bit of drama there to get started for sure (laughs) and so folks we are talking about the day of judgment we're going to be looking at the day of judgment from a scriptural standpoint and trying to define what it is according to the scriptures. And Jonathan, as we go into defining it from the scriptures, what we want to look at is the whole body of scripture. And there's a lot of things involved in the whole concept of Judgment Day that normally doesn't get talked about. That's right. right. So, so we're going to get into all of that um, right, pretty much right off the bat. Before we get started with all that, though, Jonathan, I think it, it's appropriate to just make a, a few comments about the uh, the terrorist bombings in in Boston this past week. What a tragedy! It was it was an immense tragedy. Uh, we're so glad that um, they seem to have apprehended those who were involved. Hopefully, that uh, um, they'll get to the bottom of it. But there, there's something we have kind of a. a a very close connection, if you will, to to some of the events there. And Jonathan, you were talking to Matt. Yeah, Matt, which uh, Matt helps m- us out here in Matt, the studio. Matt's one of our, our our producers behind the board. Yep. And his wife Faith yep. uh, is one of our backup call screeners. That's right. And, so and they, Faith was visiting. They were fiz- visiting um, Faith's brother Noah uh, in Boston, and they were there at the marathon. And actually, about forty-five minutes prior to the bombing, they were in. Uh, about that location. And Noah said, well, do you guys want to just hang out and watch more? And Matt said, you know, I want to get ahead of the traffic. Why don't we just take off now? And uh, 45 minutes earlier than the explosion took place. So uh, so they were almost right there yeah, where right, it happened. Yeah. And so we're, we're thankful that uh, uh, they were not, sure. uh, not involved. But you know, it, it just it makes it more real. 
is what it does. When when you know somebody who was there, sort sort of thing, it it makes it more real. And it is a, an immense tragedy to see the evil that's right that human beings perpetrate upon other human beings. Exactly. And that's uh, to me, that's the only way you can describe something like this. It's just it's just pure, unadulterated evil and darkness to to see a, an opportunity to to hurt. And, and you know the, the bombs were meant to to maim. They weren't meant to kill. They were meant to maim. That's right. And w- why do we do that to our fellow human beings? And so as we talk about Judgment Day, with that kind of a backdrop, it, it sort of gets your blood boiling against it those does. who per- perpetrate evil. It does. So we're going to sort of mix looking at Judgment Day in with the, the, the current events and say, okay, what is God's plan for all of this? And folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter the day or time. Um, check out our CQ Rewind, our Facebook, and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so let's get started, Jonathan, here by reviewing a few scriptures that describe the Day of Judgment. Let's start with John five twenty-eight and 29, which we're going to come back to a few times through the program. Marvel not at this, for the hour cometh in which all that are in their tombs shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of judgment. And uh, that scripture, if you look in the King James Version, it says the resurrection of damnation. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the American Standard Version says the resurrection of judgment. And while we're not going to define the word per se in, in the program, judgment is a much more accurate rendering for what that word actually means. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, in Seeker Rewind, the full edition... The bonus material? Yes. We have some added material on the defining of that word and how it's used. And, and that's an important factor that we're just not going to take the time on this morning. So that scripture says, resurrection of life, resurrection of judgment. Mm-hmm. So you've got something to do with judgment. So what does the judgment day look like? We're going to just touch on a few scriptures that I think will probably raise questions about the day of judgment rather than answer them to start with. For instance, Matthew eleven twenty two. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And again, we're going to get into that scripture later on, but it's talking about something being tolerable in the day of judgment. That's right. Now, oftentimes, a Christian perspective, and there's a lot of, we were talking about this before the mm-hmm. program started, yes. there's a lot of different Christian perspectives on what the day of judgment really is. And in most cases, it's a day, as, as we mentioned in, in the introduction, of great regret and great wrath and great sorrow. Uh, but yet here, it's talking about something being tolerable right. for cities of Tyre and Sidon. Now, who were they? We'll get to that later in the program. So, but there's tolerability, and that's the key. So, and that's what it says, in the Day of Judgment. These are Jesus' words. So you say, okay, well, well how could it be tolerable if it's a day of great wrath? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Good question. All right, ne- next scripture. <laughs> with my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Now, hold on. Because when you look at the day of judgment and the way we typically think about it, I mean, even when you say it, the day of judgment. It just sounds luminous. It, it does. You've got this, this ominous, overbearing, dark... Uh, um, wrath 
that's coming down upon you. And yet, in that scripture you just read in Isaiah 26, 9, it says, when thy judgments, when God's judgments are in the earth, what does it say is going to happen? Uh, the world will learn righteousness. So, that's not so dark. No, it's not. So, how could it be that the day of judgment, I mean, are we saying then that the day of judgment is really not so dark? I mean, that when you look at these particular scriptures, it raises that as a question. Second Peter 3, 9, and we're going to get back to this one uh, in, in a few minutes here. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So now this is talking, this is, this is the Apostle Peter, this is saying that God wants all to come to repentance. Yes. And he doesn't want all to perish. Right. So... Again, and he's very patient about it, long-suffering <laughs> right, towards right. us. So how does that fit into the model that we carry around in our minds of what the Day of Judgment looks like? Hmm. See, these are important questions, folks, because if you're going to discuss something as, as pivotal as the Day of Judgment, we need to put it in a context that, that takes a lot of these scriptures and, and puts them together. Because if you're taking just one group of scriptures, you might be missing the rest of the definition. Good point. So we want, you know, my favorite word. Context. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So these scriptures are not describing the harsh and harrowing day that most think about. I do want to go to, and we're going to refer back to this website. Uh, This we got off of YouTube. It's from so4j.com. And it's talking about lukewarm Christians. Are you ready for the day of judgment? And it, it, it does bring that ominous thinking to 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 the forefront. So let, let's just put a, a short clip here from from there. Jesus says, "On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied, cast out demons, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who break God's laws. Those who indulge in sexual sin, worship idols, commit adultery." practice homosexuality, or are thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive, or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up a wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. That does give you that ominous viewpoint. It does. And, it's, and it basically lines up a bunch of sins and says, Anybody of you, any of you doing this, you're in big big, big trouble. Right. Is that what the day a judgment is for and what it's about? If you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985 for all. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. And actually, I want to comment on last week's topic, but we'll do that in the second segment. Okay. Okay, because great, some, some great things from, from last week's uh, program. So, Jonathan, let's go to, we, we just quoted 2 Peter 3.9. Let's go to 2 Peter 2.9 and see if we can get a little bit further in, in understanding what this day of judgment entails. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. So, it's really talking about two different kinds of people here. It is. Okay, so you've got, you've got two distinct classes of people. Now, what, what's the first class of people spoken of in Second Peter 2.9? The godly. 
All right, and and what happens to them according to that scripture? They're, they're going to be rescued. All right, so the godly are rescued, and then you have the second class of people, the unrighteous. And what's going to happen to them? They're subject to judgment day. So you have the godly, and then the unrighteous. One of them seems to be rescued. Okay, mm-hmm. now does that mean they get a pass? Does that mean that they don't have to go through the judgment of judgment day? I think so. Now, why would you we say that? Well, let's go back to John five twenty eight and twenty nine again. And we read the scripture before. We're going to be actually be coming back to it again later. Marvel not at this, for the hour cometh in which all that are in their tombs shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. See, that is showing that they do get a pass. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. Resurrection of life, I mean, that sounds like only good stuff. That's right. Oh, pick me, pick me. (laughs) And, And then next it goes, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of judgment. So you have then two resurrections as a result, or I should say two kinds of resurrections, mm-hmm. as a result of two different kinds of paths. So then, Jonathan, why, why, would these, why would the righteous get a pass and not have to experience the Day of Judgment? Because they've already been judged in advance of the world. So their judgment is different according to what the scriptures seem to be saying. Now, yes. now we're, we're making an assumption on that. We haven't mm-hmm. done any scriptural proof on that at this point. But their judgment is in advance of the world. The, the world and that's mm-hmm. why they experience this resurrection of life. Right. Okay, so the key question here is this text uh, talking about the day uh, resurrection of judgment in John 5.29. Is it defining an eternal end result? You know, in, in, in other words, judgment is a stamp of disapproval and that's it? Or is it defining a state of being at the resurrection? See, if we see it as a final stamp of disapproval, then you have to ask yourself, well, wouldn't it, how do those scriptures we read earlier in this segment fit in? Yeah, it's hard to make sense. Because if it's a stamp of complete disapproval that you can't tolerate, there's, there's no learning righteousness mm-hmm. because it's all, it's all too late. Right. So there are questions, questions and more questions about how the Day of Judgment really functions and works. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens on Judgment Day? Coming up, does God's Word describe two distinct classes differently, the godly and the unrighteous? Is it a positive sense for both? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens on Judgment Day? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we are discussing the Day of Judgment and what it means and how it works. Before we get back into our subject, though, I, this, is, this, this, this is awesome. I get, folks, we've got to share this with you because this is awesome. Last week we did a program on how does a Christian thrive in an evil and dark world. Yes. And we did that for a young man who lives over in Lebanon, the country of Lebanon, uh, and his name didn't want he didn't want it to be known so we called him Timothy throughout the program okay. 
and we were just because he is basically by himself there just trying to 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 be a christian in a very unchristian environment well we did the program and he wrote back to us and i just want to read the first paragraph from what he wrote because i think it really it really solidifies the message that we were trying to get across last week dear rick and jonathan i listened to the show and figured something out it wasn't everything that went on around me that got me to where i am now but simply the feeling of loneliness I saw that and felt it. Every time someone said the word Timothy, because that's what we called him on the program, I felt I was being talked to, and it made me feel I was part of something. I get it now. I just need people who I can relate to and just talk. I appreciate what you've done for me. I will keep my focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of what he went through and get more courage to face the world with that. And so, Timothy, thanks so much for uh, uh, responding back to us. It was our privilege to do that program uh, with your plight in mind uh, as you attempt to live your Christianity in a very unchristian environment. Absolutely. It's a tough thing to do. Thank you. And, and you know, and Jonathan, that actually does fit in, in, in terms of the Day of Judgment because we're talking about two different kinds of people, two different classes of people. Mm-hmm. And you said something in the first segment that, that some, remember we said that some, the godly, have their judgment beforehand. In advance. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Timothy. Maybe having his judgment now, learning to live in a godly fashion in an ungodly world. Maybe the judgment is actually, that's an example of what we're talking about. So, I mean, think about that. Let's put it in perspective. So, again, Timothy, thanks so much for responding back to us. Timothy from Lebanon in the Middle East. Um, Back to the Day of Judgment, Jonathan. Two different classes. What does it mean? 1 Peter 2, 9 to 12. We're just going to read parts of it to put this in perspective. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So there's several aspects there. This, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You've been called out of darkness into this light. And if you've been called out, the, the implication is that others haven't been. That's right. So this is talking about the godly. Right. Okay, now, when you go down to verse 12, it's saying, okay, how are the godly supposed to behave? Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. So now, when you talk about God judging the world, it says that if we, as the godly, if we are... Standing up and saying, yes, I, I, am, I am attempting to be one of the godly. If we stand in such a way that that example uh, gets through to, to the evildoers, it doesn't say you're going to convert them right now. No, it doesn't. But what does it say? Your example will be remembered um, because of your life and the way you lived. And they will glorify God when he comes to judge. Yes. So the question you asked at the end of the first segment, could there be a positive end result to this? Well, if, if they're glorifying God... That's he, a good thing. That is a good thing. <laughs> so there, there seems to be a positive spin here. See, the relationship that Jesus has with us is different than the relationship that Jesus has with the world. During the Judgment Day. Well, and right now. Right now. Right now. Right now and during the Judgment Day. All right. So, and again, folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about the Day of Judgment and how does it work. Give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.net, no matter the day or time.
So let's talk about Jesus and the godly and his relationship with those who seek to truly, truly follow him. Now, I'm not talking about Christian in name only. We're talking about Christians, those of us who really try dedication to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, live mm-hmm. a sacrificial life. Yes. John, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you may not sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So there's several things here. First of all, it says you, if you do sin, and that's an interesting thought that, you know, we still, even if you're following Christ, you can still be a sinner. That's right. You can still sin. You have an advocate with the Father, Mm -hmm. and that advocate is Jesus Christ. That's right. Okay, well, what's an advocate? Uh, An intercessor, a Consoler. Somebody, literally, who sits by your side and speaks for you. Pleads for your, right. ca- for your case. So, so imagine being in a situation where you, you, you're, you've sinned. Now, I mean, let's put you and I in that situation. I ha- made a mistake. Ha- have you sinned? Yes. In the last, I don't know, day or so. <laughs> How about second? <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we're in that situation, and we need help. Yes. Because we can't represent ourselves. What this scripture is saying is that those of us who are trying to be godly, live a sacrifice, Sacrificial life in the footsteps of Jesus have somebody sitting by our side by the name of Jesus. Pleading on our behalf. Pleading on our behalf. Wow. Representing us. That's a powerful thing. That's huge. And, uh, you know, in, in the, the word for advocate is also used as the word for comforter in John fourteen sixteen. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So comforter is the, is the power and influence of God. Right. The, 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 His the, Spirit. The Holy Spirit is basically pleads for us. And remember that scripture in Romans that talks about we, we know not what we should pray for, mm-hmm. but the Spirit sort of pleads on our behalf. Yes. God's influence affects the way we live and it affects the way we think if we are following after the, the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website at ChristianQuestions.com and check out CQ Rewind, the full edition. It gives you a lot of bonus material, all the texts um, that we're talking about in our subject and the things that we don't have time to talk about. And uh, it's a great value. It's emailed to you um, every week, and it's a great service. And that's at ChristianQuestions.com. It's something you need to sign up for. Yep. But there is no cost. There is no obligation. You can unsubscribe very, very easily with the click of a button if you choose uh, to to do so. But it is valuable, especially with a topic like this, because there are a lot of scriptures that talk about judgment. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of them, frankly, that talk about wrath and indignation. You have to look at both. Yes, and the, and then there are those that are talking about goodness and righteousness and learning goodness and, and, and the evil learning righteousness. And you say, well, wait, well, how do both of those work together? They do. They do. We just need to understand it and put it in its perspective, and that's what we're looking to do this morning. And again, Jonathan, in light of the Boston terrorist bombings this past week, the day of judgment and the concept of judgment, I think, is, is very squarely upon people's minds. You're right. Because you're thinking about these people who perpetrated evil, and they should be judged. They should, They're accountable. They Rick. have to be. 
They have to be. You know, we talk about the love of Jesus can forgive sins, but oftentimes forgiveness does not come without accountability. That's right. And we're going to develop that as we go. Uh, Jonathan, back in that First John 2, 1 and 2, it talked about that Jesus is the propitiation for yeah, our sins. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's not a word that we use every day. No. And the word literally means an appeasing, uh, the, the, the taking care of. Okay. He's, he's 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 taking care of our sins. It's it's the simplest way to do it. Um, and in in First John four ten, it, it mentions that again. We won't we won't read that at this point. So now you've got Jesus and the godly. Then Jesus is the advocate. Imagine him. It's a special relationship. It is because Jesus is representing you. Yes. All right. That's important. There is another relationship that Jesus has with the ungodly that will be put in place in the day of judgment. But before we get to that, I want to go to another soundbite from SO4J.com. This is about, the title was, Lukewarm Christians, Are You Ready for the Day of Judgment? And this does depict that harsh viewpoint of the day of judgment. So uh, this this comes across very, uh, it's a very sad thing when you listen to this. All liars will be cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, it does. It really does. You had this depiction of somebody who uh, was a Christian, quote-unquote, a mm-hmm. Christian, who apparently was living a decent life. And she says, you know, can't you see how loving I was? I didn't judge anyone. And, and the response was, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, you're, you're, you are, you've already set your doom. And she's pleading, well, give me another chance. Give me another chance. And, you know, I thought you were a loving God. And so and it does draw into question, well, is God a loving God or isn't God a loving God? So with a, with a, with a soundbite like that sort of as a backdrop as we move forward here, you think, okay, well, how does this work? Because God's wrath is something to be afraid of. It is. It really truly is. God's love is something to be cherished. Yes. So how do the two work together? And can the two work together for the same person, a sinner? Someone who is not following after Christ right now. Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so Jonathan, let's go to the next scripture, because now we're going to define, according to scripture, Jesus' relationship with those who are not following after Christ. The ungodly. The ungodly. I exhort, therefore, first of all, the supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all men, for kings and all that are in high place, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and gravity. 
This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, himself the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony to be born in its own times. So there's a couple of aspects here, Jonathan. First of all, there is one God uh, who wants all men to be saved. Right. That's the that's the heart desire of God Almighty. There's the love. Right. And then it says there is one mediator between God and man. And that's Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Mm-hmm. So you've got this this painting of a picture of a mediator between God and mankind. Right. Well, what is a mediator? Uh, one who intervenes between two. Okay, so one who intervenes. So is that mediator taking the side of one or the other? No, he sits between two opposing parties. And is bringing them together. Yes. So if we can visualize the way we visualize Jesus, our advocate, for those of us who are trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. That's very different. Right. Jesus is sitting next to you, speaking on your behalf. Right. Whereas with the mediator, Jesus is sitting, and you know, this is all visualization to, to make the point. Jesus is sitting between us and, not us, but, but, but the ungodly and God. Mm-hmm. And the point of Jesus sitting between them is to bring them together. Gotcha. So it's to bring the sinner toward God and to bring God's attention toward the sinner. Now, God is not going to change. God is not going to compromise. No. But God's attention is being brought to the sinner so that the sinner can become acceptable to God. So the context of a mediator, somebody bringing two parties that are at odds together. So if, in fact, the relationship of of, of, of Jesus to uh, to, to the sinful world is that of a mediator... It is his work to bring the the sinful world to God. And the end of the scripture, the testimony to be born in its own times, I really think that that is talking about the world's judgment day, that time, Jesus will be that mediator trying to bring them back together. So there is a distinct uh, difference between God, uh, I'm sorry, between Jesus as an advocate for those who follow after Christ and Jesus is the mediator for the rest of the world. And if you're a mediator for the rest of the world, that day of judgment does have the ability to show you something very positive, which is to follow. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens on Judgment Day? Coming up, so is the big day of judgment for the benefit of the sinful world, or is it all suffering and wrath? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens on Judgment Day? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we pursue this, this question on, of what happens on Judgment Day, I thought it might be an interesting side, sidebar to take a look at uh, an, an Islamic perspective 
of Judgment Day. Okay. Because they have a, a perspective, and it, it's it's actually kind of fascinating. And again, when I when, I, I want to really preface this because this is not a radical Islamic perspective, but this is an Islamic perspective. Okay. And there's a big difference between the two. Very okay, good. Okay. So uh, let's listen just for a moment here on the what happens to the resurrected according to Islam uh, on Judgment Day. As believers, we believe that once we have gone into the graves, once we have stepped into that realm that's between this world and between the hereafter, Allah will then resurrect us to a place that's known as Al-Ard Al-Mahshar, the, the gathering, the place of assembly. And it's a place that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, is flat and there's no sin on the ground, there's nothing on the ground or on the face of the earth except for the creation of Allah and God would cause all of the creation to come to this one place where every creation would stand in his place. He would only be able to occupy the place that he is standing in and he would be completely stripped of all titles, completely stripped of even all clothes. Alright, so so you, you have this sense of equality in the day of judgment mm-hmm. and and i think that there's something to be said for that and uh again a, a muslim perspective just to give you something else to say okay here's a comparison and remember muhammad had a a, a lot of christian influence in that's his right. life in that's his upbringing right. that's right and he had access to the to, to the holy scriptures of the bible mm-hmm. and you can tell in a lot of places in the Quran where he borrowed from the Holy Scriptures. Yep. In, in, in hearing them read it, I can usually say, okay, that sounds like this Scripture, that sounds like that Scripture. And the Scriptures are written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the Quran. So, all of that being said, let's go back to the Day of Judgment uh, as a tool to fulfill God's promise. So, what I'm saying here is the Day of Judgment is a tool to fulfill a promise of God. And when we talk about the promises of God, we're talking about good promises. That's right. That have to be kept. Right. Exactly, because they're promises of God. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 to 22. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed would come to him the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. See, mediator again. So this is obviously talking about God's relationship with the world. Mm -hmm. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up every one under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So you had the mediator mentioned because so you've got the context of the general world mm-hmm. and then it talks about the promise by the faith of Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So again, you're talking about two different classes of people here. Right. So everyone's trapped under sin according to what the scripture just said. That's right. So the promise can be given to the believers. Well, what promise? And does that promise exclude everybody else? I mean, is it just an exclusive promise just for a few? Or is it an expansive promise for everybody? Well, let's go further down in Galatians chapter 3. Let's jump down to verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Now, look, everybody wants to be the heir of a rich uncle, right? Oh, (laughs) sure. Why not? Because you inherit whatever the estate is of that individual. Okay. So it says here in Galatians 3.29, if you belong to Christ, true, true Christians, then you're Abraham's descendants and you inherit the promise. 
So there's something that you are inheriting. Well, what is the promise that you inherit? And, and we know it's going back to Genesis chapter 22, verses 17 to 18. This is the promise of God given to Abraham, restated to Isaac, restated to Jacob, and mentioned several other times throughout the scriptures. This is like one of the theme scriptures of the entire Bible. And folks, before we read this, if you have a thought, we're talking about the Day of Judgment. How does it work? And what we're saying actually is you might be scratching your head saying, what? Where? How? Give us a, give us a call at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues next hour, online and all through the week. Christian Questions is live Sunday mornings, on demand, with tons of topics to talk about and our featured audio archive, CQ Rewind, our Facebook, and our blog. Again, that's ChristianQuestions.com. So if we're not on in your area for the second hour, you want to stay with us, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click on the Listen Live button, and stay with us because the conversation will absolutely continue. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. It is a great service. The folks that work on it do a tremendous job, and it's free. And it just it helps to illuminate the kinds of things that we're talking about. All available at ChristianQuestions.com. Now, this promise that we're talking about, Genesis 22, 17 and 18. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So, it's talking about... In your seed, and you know, if you're, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, oh, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So what you inherit, if you're a follower of Jesus, is you inherit the ability to bless all the nations of the earth. What a privilege. So that's what you get. You get to be a blesser of the everybody else. That sort of puts a different line on the day of judgment, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Because what it says is there's hope through the Day of Judgment. Now, there is accountability in the Day of Judgment. Yes, there is. So now, let's not confuse the idea of hope and say, well, everybody can do whatever they want because, you know, you're saying that everybody's going to be blessed, blessed, blessed. Yes, they're going to be blessed, but through accountability. And we're going to really delve into that in the second hour. So that's why you need to go, if we're not on in your area, you need to go to uh, ChristianQuestions.com and click Listen Live to stay with us for that second hour. So this promise does in- include everyone. Um, you know what? Let's do the phone first, and then we'll get back to the scriptures. And our next scripture is going to be in Romans chapter 2, but let's go to the phone first. All right. Well, we have David from Pennsylvania. Good morning, David, and welcome to the program. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Jonathan. I hope both of you are doing well this morning. We are. And this is our friend David Stein. This is the David. It is. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> You know, I was listening to about the two classes, and in the last segment you talked about 1 Timothy chapter 2 and uh, verse 4, and there's a subtlety in there that I think confirms, uh, at least gives another facet uh, of what you're saying. Uh, In the King James, that verse says, who will have all men to be saved, which you commented on, Rick, and come to a knowledge of the truth. And I always thought that the sequence there was very interesting, that in that future time, in the judgment day, when all men are to be saved, what happens next? Well, they come to a knowledge of truth. It's exactly the opposite sequence during the Gospel age, where we come to a knowledge of the truth, we, we hear the Gospel about Christ, and that is a saving knowledge. But in the Judgment Day, since God wants all men to be saved, obviously, He has to bring them up from, the, from, from death first, 
and then bring them to a knowledge of truth. And that, I just wanted to share that little sequence there that's always been a blessing to me. All right, David, now, now that fits exactly in with the concept of advocate now, mediator later. Exactly. It's exactly the function of Jesus or the difference in function of Jesus between the two groups. All right, David, thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it. Okay, God bless. Take, take care. Take Bye-bye. care. It's always good to hear from David. Yes, I, I love talking to David. I could have just kept him on the phone and just kept him going, <laughs> but... Uh, um, David, thanks so much for bringing out that subtlety, which is something we had not planned on because there was just just too much to talk about, so we're glad David did it for us. Uh, David calling in from Pennsylvania. All right, Jonathan, Romans chapter 2, verses 3 to 10. And we're going we're gonna to break this up into some, some pieces as we read through it because this is, this is critical understanding. If you want to get what the Day of Judgment is about, we need to look into a wide body of Scripture and understand how it all works together. And this Scripture helps us to do that. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly on the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So the apostle here is writing to those in, 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 in Rome, and they are being very, uh, um, they're not focusing on the right things. And he's really being hard on them. And he's saying, you know, you know, the, the guidance of God leads you to repentance. You've got to grasp hold of that. Let's continue with verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to their deeds. So here is a very strong text on accountability who will render to each person according to their deeds. So, folks, whatever it is you do, whatever it is you think, wherever it is you go, don't think for a second that because we say God is love and God is merciful that you don't have to, to, to pay or be accountable for those things. That's right. Not, don't even entertain that thought because this scripture is helping us, and again, we're going to get into this in the second hour, helping us to understand how important it is to put it all in a, in a clear perspective. The day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So it's a day of wrath, anger, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So there's a righteousness that is is that wrath is built upon. I like that. Okay, so it's it's important to, to put it all together. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. That's the class of individuals who are following after Christ, footstep followers, sacrificial in their life, and are considered godly according to the scriptures we've already read. Mm-hmm. And then continue. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and in, in, indignation, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. So this is talking about the difficulties that are going to happen to those who are not following after Christ. You know, the judgment of those who follow after Christ, it comes now. Mm-hmm. But the judgment of those who, who are not following after Christ comes later, and it's saying tribulation and distress. So it's difficult so when we say, yes, the Day of Judgment can have a very good end result, we're not minimizing the difficulty. The struggle. Right, and the trial and, mm-hmm. the, and the trauma and, 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 and the, the necessity to change. That's what we think the Day of Judgment is really, really teaching us. So it's a very important thing. And, and this is what's happening for those who are not coming after, after God. And then verse 10. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, again, so it's going back and forth between the godly and the ungodly. The godly and the un- ungodly. That's Romans 2, uh, 3 to 10. Jonathan, we're, we're a little bit shy on time here for this segment. Um, let's go to 2 Peter 3, 9, because I think this is something that's very important. I, we touched on this scripture earlier, but we want to come back to it. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. So, Again, the godly are delivered, the unjust are reserved to the day of judgment to be punished. The word for punished, literally, what does that mean? Very interesting. It is. It's to lop or prune as trees and wings. Okay. So what it's doing is it's curbing, it's restraining the evil. Correcting. Right. So what it does, the day of judgment is indicated in 2 Peter 2.9 as being a day when... uh, those who are resurrected to this day of judgment are going to be put into a context where good reigns and evil is no longer allowed. Mm -hmm. So they are going to have to make good for all of their evil thoughts and their evil deeds. They're going to be, be pruned, be cut back so that, and remember, when you prune a tree, what do you do? You cut it back, you cut up back all the stuff that doesn't belong there so it can produce good fruit. They're going to be put in a context of having to produce good fruit. Well, what happens after that? Well, that's for the second hour. So how do we put all this together, folks? A day to restrain and a day of fire, a day of tribulation and a day of blessing. Can all of that possibly work together in this day of judgment? Yes, it can. Stay with us for the second hour. Go to ChristianQuestions.com and listen live. Click listen live if we're not on in your area. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We'll be back after the news and all of that. But till then, what happens on Judgment Day? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Thomas Kempis once said, At the day of judgment, we shall not be asked what we have read, but what we have done. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic this morning? This is a doozy. It is, Rick. And our question is, what happens on Judgment Day? And our theme text comes from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And in the first hour, we were talking about several scriptures that seem to indicate there's Good things that happen on the Day of Judgment. Yes. And of course, there are scriptures that talk about wrath and indignation on the Day of Judgment. Correct. Now, can you mix the two together and make it one story that all fits with a great harmony and a great purpose? And the proper context. And the answer is absolutely we can. Yes. But we need to take it all into account, all into consideration. So in the first hour, one of the main points was looking at this idea of the Day of Judgment and saying, okay, the Day of Judgment is built around the fact that the ungodly 
need to be accountable at some point for what they do. That's right. All right? The godly are presently accountable for what they do. Being judged in advance right. of the world. And you know, you know, a great example of that, actually, is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is about uh, the ancients that lived in the Old Testament times and how faithful they were. Yes. And it lists them out, many of them, and you know, the things they did to honor God. And it says they were gonna, they're going to get a, a better resurrection. They're not going to have to go through the day of judgment because they proved their value to God in, that, in this life. So that's a scriptural example of those who, who get a pass from the day of judgment. And then the followers, the truest followers of Christ, also get a pass because they, like those ancient ones in the Old Testament, are judged now. But the other billions and billions of people, judged later. And the, the key is accountability. So... Let's try and put the Day of Judgment together. And folks, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you. It's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have more to say after the program, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. So, we'd love to hear from you there as well. And, if you've got another way to contact us, Rick, R-A-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net is the email address if you have something you want to say. And, Jonathan, I will say that we've gotten several emails over time from several listeners. And we have actually, in, in a lot of ways, altered our approach. And we, we try to be listener-driven in a lot of our subject matter. Mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. when listeners have particular questions that we think are very pertinent, we'll, we'll do a program on it. Good. So if you have a question, you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you. You can, you can contact us on Facebook. You can go through the website, ChristianQuestions.com, or you can email us at Rick, R-I-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. So, Jonathan, let's put this all together. Three points we want to cover in this, in this segment on the Day of Judgment. The first point is... It is coming. The Day of Judgment is coming. Acts chapter 17, 29 to 31. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of men. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. This is a profound scripture uh, that, that states uh, what we think is becoming obvious. So there's three points of observation here from this particular scripture. First point. It is a fixed day, a day predetermined to happen. And the way it says it in the scripture, he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world. It's like God has set the time already, and when it comes, it comes, and there's nothing that gets in its way. That's right. All right, so that's the first point. What's the second point? The judgment of that day will be upon the world based in righteousness. So the world is subject to the judgment of God, and we want to be clear, because we keep talking about the mercy of God and a good ending to this, mm-hmm. but it, they are judged in righteousness. And if you're going to be judged, don't you want to be judged in a righteous manner. Absolutely. Don't you want to be judged in the most fair manner possible? Yes. Don't you want to be held accountable for all the wrong things you've done? Uh, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> but yes, because but that's what be. righteousness is. And if you say, I want to be judged righteously. Come clean. you got to come clean. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. And then what is the third point of observation on this? The judgment of that day will come through Jesus. All right. So it comes through Jesus, and it's God's judgment through Jesus. So it is coming. No question uh, no, no second thought about that. Another point on this verse, everywhere you should repent. To me, that's telling us that for those that um, prepare their hearts in advance with repentance, we'll have it much easier in the day of judgment. Absolutely. And so because accountability is coming. Yes. So, folks, you know, when, when a few weeks ago we did the program on, on, on Hellfire, and mm-hmm. we don't believe that Hellfire is, the, is, is, is a scriptural concept. We're going to come back to that subject in a few more weeks. Um, and, and oftentimes people say, well, then you can do whatever you want. No, and that's the not answer true. here is absolutely not. There is great and deep righteous accountability for our sins. And those of us who sin without w- w- and, and continue to try to get away with it, we are digging ourselves a really deep hole. And you're going to start out in a, in a pit in the day of judgment. So You've got a long way to dig out of, right? Exactly, exactly. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Challenging uh, topic, really. Isn't it fun? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sympathy for the uh, victims in Boston as well as Texas. Yes. You know, what tragedies. And number two, uh, my friend Timothy, I've adopted him as my friend in Lebanon. Okay. <laughs> uh, a scripture for him. Second uh, Chronicles 69, in the interest of time, I will not read it. That's uh, for Timothy in Second uh, Chronicles 69. Number three, the nations are judged today. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, next, the church is judged today. 1 Peter 4, 17. And uh, you you just uh, took my scripture from Acts seventeen thirty one that the world is, is going to be judged. That's that's a great scripture. Okay, finally a saying for today. Okay, uh, a current saying for our times. Uh, quote: The road to the road to violence is paved with ignorance. End of quote. And uh, Isaiah eleven nine tells us that in God's kingdom, they will not hurt nor destroy, for the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the deep. That's Isaiah eleven nine. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Okay, bye bye. Julius, the walking Bible study. <laughs> Some great scriptures Love there, it. and that that last scripture gives gives us a sense of well, what's the end result of all of this judgment? And that does paint a very vivid, vivid picture. So, Julius, thanks so much for all of those scriptures uh, and for remembering our friend Timothy. Uh, Jonathan, I want to go to something very contrary here. Okay, we're talking okay. talking about having to be accountable. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pay, uh, uh, play a soundbite from a, a gentleman by the name of Pat Condell. Uh, he took what's called the Blasphemy Challenge that was put out on a, on a network several years ago to say that, you know, all these Christians say that if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you know, you're going to burn in hell and blah, 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 blah. So I'm challenging everybody to, to just sort of speak out and you can blaspheme all you want because it's, it's not true. You know, it just, it's sort of a, it's a bold, troublemaking kind of a statement is what it is. Okay, so this Pat Condell is taking this challenge and let's listen to what he says. I'm literally burning the Bible at both ends. That's right, whether awake or asleep, 
I joyously deny the Holy Spirit every day and in every way. Upwards, downwards, backwards, forwards, sideways, inside out, back to front and upside down, in perpetuity or forever, whichever lasts longer. Every moment of my life is a precious jewel of opportunity for me to deny the Holy Spirit and every nasty little thing it stands for. Every breath I take, every word I utter, my every action down to the minutest detail is calculated specifically to deny the Holy Spirit. That spiteful, vindictive and truly unholy spirit of the mythical psychopath in the sky. Wow. Oh my. And and why do we play that something like that in a program like this because it's important to realize that people come from all different perspectives, have all different bases of beliefs. Now am I condoning what he said? No. Not at all. No, 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 no. But what we're saying is, okay, Mr. Condell, um you are going to be responsible for the attitude. You're you're responsible. Now look, if you're ignorant, God takes that into account. Sure. Don't know if he is or not, but if he is, God takes that into account. But if he does it knowingly, then there's a level of judgment that he must come clean on. And whatever you do, whatever you say, it all is going to come back to you. And that's the second point. The first point of this segment was judgment is coming. The second point is no one escapes the judgment. That's right. No one. Second Timothy 4, 1, 2, 2. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word by be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience, instruct. So it talks about God is going to judge the living and the dead. So everybody's included in that. You can't, you can't get away from that. Right. Hebrews four twelve to 13. Just read verse 13 because our time is a lot shorter than I anticipated here. There is no creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and laid open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So what it's saying is God knows all and nothing that anybody does is going... You can't get away with it. You can't. You just can't. We are all accountable, period. End of statement. That's what judgment is for. Now, Jude 1.6. Want to touch on that? We actually did get a call that we didn't put on the air in the first hour from Mike in Tennessee who had some questions and some comments on on Genesis chapter 6 and the Nephilim that were in the earth and so forth. And this, in a a way, does deal with a part of that. And so, Mike, we do appreciate your your, your calling in and your comments there. Jude chapter 1, verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their own position but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deepest darkness for the judgment of the great day. So this day of judgment we're talking about is not just for human beings. No. Angels as well. That's right. This is a great, great, great day of judgment. It's huge. Where all accountability is going to come to the forefront from all levels of creation that we know of. And wasn't it the Apostle Paul that said that we will judge angels? Yes. The faithful Christians with Jesus will judge those angels. Which is why they must go through thorough thorough judgment now in advance of the world because you can't be you, you don't slide in to the kingdom of heaven uh just because you're, you're you're acting the part right you don't slide into the kingdom of heaven and sorry to say this but by just by going to church on sundays you become a footstep follower of christ by footstep following 
Christ. <laughs> I like it. Well, really, and, and that's that's where the judgment comes upon uh, those of us who are really really trying to do that. Now, John, uh, Jonathan, Acts three nineteen to 23, we just are going to run out of time here. But the third point we want to talk about is the end of judgment will ultimately be life or death, right? Right. Romans six twenty three says the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. Life or death. There is an end result to judgment. In, in Acts chapter 3, uh, verse, uh, read verse 23. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. So there is a very distinct end result consequence of not heeding that prophet, which is Jesus. During that day of judgment. And that's the key. It's during that day of judgment. That scripture is not applying now. And we know that because that's what the scripture exactly says. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have time to read it here uh, this morning. So that's Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 23. So at that time, once the judgment is complete and accountability has been put in place, if you are still not following after Jesus, after that long period of judgment where you're judged in absolute, complete righteousness... Then, it says, destruction. So, that gives us a sense of these three points of the Day of Judgment. One, it's coming. Two, there's no one escaping it. And three, judgment will ultimately lead to life or death. But it's all based on real, true accountability. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens on Judgment Day? Coming up, does God have rules for judging in the Day of Judgment? If so, how do they work? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens on Judgment Day? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, we're looking at this very important and difficult subject of the Day of Judgment. And last segment, it was, look, it's coming, no one escapes it, and the end of judgment will ultimately be life or death. Mm-hmm. It, it really is a very simple, straightforward uh, explanation there. So now... How does it work? What are the rules of the Day of Judgment? Does God have rules on how it's going to, to happen and how, how it's going to unfold? And he does. And how do we know that? Because the scriptures lay it out for us as we go through both the Old and the New Testament. And it's important to do that when you're looking at a subject like this. So let's take a look at this. And again, folks, we want to encourage you. Look. We've gotten some folks that, that have called and not been able to get on the air. Some agree, some disagree. Okay? I really, even if it's something you disagree with, I want to encourage you to subscribe to Seeker Rewind, the full edition. You can unsubscribe if you don't like it. Uh, it's a free service, and what it does is it gives you a lot of the background of how we come up with the ideas that we come up with. The ideas are not like, hey, let's try this. They're scripturally based and scripturally bound thinking. We want to do things in the context of Scripture as a whole. So Seeker Rewind, the full edition, is, is available. It's free of charge. There is no obligation. You can sign up for it at ChristianQuestions.com. And again, if you don't like it, you just simply click the unsubscribe button on the email, and then you'll be taken right off the list immediately. Great graphics, illustrations, bonus material, things that we just don't have time to go over. But we do truly appreciate those who, who 
we can't get everybody on the air, but who have a different perspective because your perspective is important. So, Jonathan, let's continue. Let's go through this. What are the rules for judging in the Day of Judgment? Well, Matthew seven thirteen and 14 helps to get us started on that. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So that gives us a sense, again, back to those two different classes that have been continually described. The godly and ungodly. So there are few who find the narrow way. Everybody else is on the broad road to destruction. You say, aha, they're talking about destruction, there is no hope. No, that's the road that they're on. That's the road that they're on. That's why the scripture said they're resurrected to a day of judgment, to a day where they are given an opportunity to get off the destruction mm-hmm. and on to righteousness. And it's going to be hard, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to take time, and they are going to be accountable. So the resurrection of judgment does play clearly here. Now, judgment will be based fully upon each individual's own actions. Right. In the day that we live... That does not happen. We can do something wrong and, and say... get away with it. Well, and not only can we get away with it, but we can say, well, you know what? I was brought up in such a way that this is what I learned and I couldn't help it. Or you can have excuses. We can have, we can have physical maladies, uh, you know, emotional maladies that, that help us to, to do evil. Or mental. Right, sure. right. So we, we are not necessarily fully, fully judged upon our own actions here in this world and in this life. Jeremiah 31, 27 to 30, opens up a whole new way of thinking when it comes to this. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beasts, as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, to destroy, and to bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant declares the Lord. So it's talking about this breaking down and overthrowing and destroying and disaster. Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's giving you a sense of the, the, the thought of Armageddon and the end of the world as we know it. Not the end of the earth, but the end of the world governments and order as we know it. And then it says, so I will watch over them to build and plant. And then in Jeremiah, it, continue, it goes on to explain what does that mean. In those days, they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone will die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats the sour grapes has teeth will be set on edge. So this sets the tone for clear-cut personal accountability. There is a depth of personal accountability shown in that that does not exist fully in this world. Rick, so it's saying there's a choice with full knowledge in the judgment day. Well, it goes back to what, what, remember when David Stein called in in the first hour? Yes. And he said, God will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Mm -hmm. The word for knowledge there literally means full disclosure. So what happens is you're, you're raised, you're saved, you're given full disclosure, and then you're judged, and then you're accountable. Isn't that the right way to do it? It is. There is a great righteousness. And in, in Jeremiah, it's this, this proverb that the fathers have eaten the sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge actually happened in Israel because the fathers would sin and the next generations would suffer. That's right. Down to three generations. Right. 
So here what this is saying is that the father, you, we will no longer be in that scenario where the father sinned and then you bear the responsibility. It's you that bear the responsibility because of the full disclosure of your resurrection that will bear the responsibility of your own doings. Boy, talk about clear-cut accountability. Yeah, and, and that's what the Day of Judgment really, really is. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right, well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. We have Romans eight nineteen. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. The beauty of God's judgment, indeed, even of his wrath, is that our lives have meaning. It is a symptom of God's great love for us that he holds us in responsibility. 2 Peter 3.13 But according to his promise, we await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We know today that the injustice and horrors that we see every day will be accounted for. And we also know today that our actions, from the most tedious duty we must undertake to acts of love that we perform, matter. We matter in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15:28. When everything is subjected to him, then the Son himself will be subjected to the one who subjected everything to him, so that God may be all in all. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take you care. Too. You know, Randall, at the beginning of his comment, said something really, really important. God's wrath, God's judgment means that our lives have meaning. Yes. And that is such a true statement. Why is the wrath of God upon the earth? Because he loves us. It's like a parent who who sees their child going down the wrong path and says, oh no, not my child, and disciplines them severely for, for going down that path. You're doing it to do what? To teach them a lesson so that they can learn to go down the right path, not the wrong path. Right. How would God be less than that? How would God's heart be less than the heart of a parent that only wants the best for their child, even if that child has gone astray? You want the best for your child. Now, it doesn't mean here, parenting in, in our world today often goes off track in that, well, we're going to stand by our children no matter what. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because if your child is on the wrong side, they do need to suffer consequences. Correct. And that is hard to swallow. But to me, that is the truest love that we can have. A love that's based on justice and accountability and then the, 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 the firm but loving guidance toward the right path. Mm-hmm. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. The conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also, interact with us on Facebook and our always updated blog. All right, so ChristianQuestions.com, that's the place to go. Again, Seek Your Rewind, the full edition. You'll want to sign up. To, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, actually, Julie, and, and we've got to start to adopt this. She, 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 she puts it in the context of Seek Your Rewind. You want the premium content. There you go. And so rather than full edition, it's really premium content because it, it includes as much as we possibly can to give you a cl- as clear a picture of what we're trying to say as possible. And that's only available at ChristianQuestions.com. Sign up, please. It is a free service. Try it out. Again, if you don't like it, you can simply un- unsubscribe. So, Jonathan, what are the rules for the Day of Judgment? Judgment will be based fully upon one's own actions. Um, 
And, and let's just go through another scripture on that, Matthew seven twenty-one to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So that's a harsh scripture. It is, Rick, but these are those professing to be Christian leaders who are out of harmony with God. And they will be judged with the masses of the ungodly on earth. So imagine being or professing to be one of the godly and yet being resurrected in the masses of the ungodly. Oh, that, and, you, and you're saying, God, wait, wait, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I do this, didn't I do that? There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and, and you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth is not torture and no, torment. No, it's not. It is a reaction to a great loss. Yes. That's what it is. And that's how it, how it fits. Um, when, especially if you're expecting to go into the kingdom of heaven and you don't arrive there. That's going to be mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and as we're going through this and talking about the Day of Judgment, my wife, who was our call screener, drops me a note and says, what do you mean by punish severely as a parent to a child? <laughs> I'm not saying beat him to a pulp, okay? <laughs> but I'm saying put your foot down as the authority in your household to teach them the lesson. Don't be like, oh, you know, maybe you should have considered something else. It's No, you did something very wrong. Classic example, when my son was very young, I've told this story before very quickly, uh, he, he, he took some of another kid's pencils and broke them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so word got back, and he was uh, six years old or something, so I sat him down, and we talked about how wrong that was. And I said, now you're going to have to earn the money to go buy this boy pencils. And so I put him to work, and I made him work, and you know, he earned a quarter for this and a quarter for that. And after about a week, we went to the store, he and I, and he bought pencils. And at the beginning, he was very grudging toward this whole experience. By the end, he was like, this could be cool. And he bought the best pencils. They had all kinds of like glowy things on them and all this <laughs> that he could find. We went to the other kid's house. We knocked on the door, and Tim handed those pencils to the other kid. And the mother looked at us. And she looked at Tim and she said, Tim, that was a very manly thing that you did. He's six years old. Wow. But see, he had to suffer the consequences. He had to work his way through and he had to make right what he had done wrong. That, to me, is what the Day of Judgment is about. You don't let it go. You make sure you go through the process. Nice. So, anyway, that's what I mean by punish severely. <laughs> okay, honey. <Yeah. laughs> All right, John, let's continue here. Judgment is going to be based upon the intentions of the heart and therefore the fruit of one's life. We know that because Matthew twelve thirty three uh, to 37 tells us. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. And that is, so what we do, the, the fruit of our life is going to produce the results of our life. Judgment will be based on the words we utter. Let's continue that scripture. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which the, fills the heart. That's, that is a powerful statement. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And, well, anyway, continue. I, I'm jumping ahead here. The, the good man brings out his good treasure, which is good, and the evil man brings out his evil treasure, which is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall be given account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So, and we go back to that soundbite from that gentleman who was, you know, joyfully blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you know, yeah. every moment of every day. And, I, and, I, and, and we put this scripture in place. By your words you'll be justified. 
or by your words you'll be condemned, punished. You're going to have to make good for those words. Mm-hmm. So it's not just what we do, but it's what we say. So it, it comes. the day of judgment is comprehensive in its accountability, but it's all for the purpose. Going back to Randall's comment, God's wrath means our lives have value. Yes. So it's all for the purpose of bringing man back to God. That's what it's for. It's not to say, oh, I really messed up with this creation, and 99% of them are just going to have to be you know, destroyed, however you view that. that. God would be an incredible failure. That's true. The day of judgment is so God's plan of success can actually work through all of its details. I mean, think about the consequences of realizing how bad sin is. And aren't we getting a picture of that in our world? We are. And learning how to avoid that forever. But that's going to be taking a lot of work. Yes, I mean, it is. Wow. Yeah, and, and we don't have time to read it, but in, in judgment is going to happen within a set period of time. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 3, it talks about Satan being bound over a period of a thousand years. That's right. And you say, wow, that's a long time. Yeah, well, there's a lot of judging to be done. Mm-hmm. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of reconciliation that has to happen. There's a lot of growing and developing that has to be put in place. There's a lot of, of, of making right what you've done wrong that has to go on. And so God has set this day of judgment in place over a set period of time so that the world has an opportunity at life. The world does have a chance. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, What Happens on Judgment Day? Coming up. Do really bad people, we're talking evil people, or heathen nations, those that don't recognize God, do they have any kind of chance in the Day of Judgment? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens on Judgment Day? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now and our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we begin to wrap up this program on the Day of Judgment... So we've got to get down to the real core of the matter. Does that mean, just like you said at the end of the last segment, do really evil, dark, evil, the bombers in Boston, do they Do they have a chance in the Day of Judgment? That's, the, that's one of the big questions here, and, let, and let's, let's square up with that one. Uh, as we look at Isaiah 26.9, and we touched on this scripture at the beginning of the program, let's go back to it in a little more detail. With my soul have I desired thee in the night, yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And again, I go back to the scripture that uh, David Stein had brought up for us and, and elaborated on in terms of, you know, all men will come to a knowledge of the truth, an understanding, a disclosure of the truth. And here is saying the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. When you learn something... when You, you never had it before. Right? right. And you truly learn it, it becomes your own. Yes. If you learn to play the piano, that means you can sit down and you can tickle the ivory. Yep. Uh, and you, where you couldn't do that before. If you learn to shoot the basketball, you, I mean, it means it can, you can snap that little baby right off your fingertips and hear that swish at the end. You know, yes. you, you, you learn it, it becomes your own. So does this apply to everybody? Does this mean that everybody has the opportunity I'm not going to say everybody will, but everybody has the opportunity to really, really live righteously. 
Matthew 11, 20-24. Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Alright, so Jesus is doing miracles before the public. And there are cities that, that did not repent, that did not respond positively. And here's what he says to them. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bathsheba. For in the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. So if we pause there for a moment, Jesus is saying to you, to these cities that were not receptive to these incredible, these miracles of God that were performed before your very eyes. But you're talking about two cities that were so evil and unrighteous, Tyre and Sidon. He's saying He's that... He's comparing them? Yes, and Tyre and Sidon, we've got a great note here from the commentator Poole on who Tyre and Sidon was, were. They were heathen and they were dark and evil. And again, ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for Secret Rewind, the full edition, get the details on that. He's comparing that those two well-known cities against the cities that he preached in and said they're going to have it easier in the Day of Judgment than you're going to have it. Wow. And then let's finish the scripture and then we'll go to the phones. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for in the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So again, another stark comparison. The land of Sodom. What happened to Sodom? Oh, they were so evil. And they were destroyed. Yes. They were destroyed. They were destroyed because of their evil. And yet, Jesus says, in, in the day of judgment, it will be easier for them. For them. Meaning, they're coming back, A. Yes. And B, they have opportunity. Yes. It'll be easier for them. Then for you, Capernaum. Does it say Capernaum doesn't have a chance? No, it doesn't. It just says it's that gonna be harder. you've dug yourself a deeper hole. Yes. Because you've seen the miracles of God through me, Jesus Christ. And denied them. And denied them. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. We have got uh, Keith from Tennessee on the line. Keith, uh, you're on with us, and I understand you want to talk You want to talk a little bit about Revelation 18.4 and getting out of Babylon. Right, uh, you know, is, there are ELS Bible codes about uh, Revelation 18.4, 10.10, uh, and, and 9.18, but I'm just going to basically talk about 18.4. Although, uh, you know, as I said uh, one time, uh, one of the world's leading eschatologists says Revelation 9.18 is imminent be on nuclear war, one out of three people die. But, you know, um, with respect to Revelation and Apocalypse 18.4, um, being in the geographical world is a major biblical theme. Um, um, Jesus and I mean, Jesus' parents were told to get out of Egypt until Herod died. Um, Isaac was told not to go to Egypt, but his son Jacob was told to, to go, go to Egypt. And, of course, Abraham was told to um, leave Ur of the Chaldees. But with respect to uh, the end times, Revelation 18.4 states that, uh, um, Get out of her, O my people, lest you share in her, her sins and her plagues, referring to Babylon. Some people think Babylon is Rome. Some... Uh, the area from uh, Boston to uh, Richmond. Others think uh, it's a, a world system. Wherever it is, uh, Christians should go. And th- this is true in the uh, in uh, the Old Testament too. There were um, biblical places of refuge. Christians should go to the most righteous areas of their country. And in the case of somebody somebody like Timothy, if possible, they should move to Christian countries. In America, for reasons I won't go into, uh, you know, there's a Bible Belt and the the um, Entire western U.S. and the area of uh, the east coast, with the exception of Georgia, and even there, I personally would not live within 100 miles of the Atlantic Ocean. 
probably are not the best places to be, but the Bible Belt is is in the southeast and the Midwest, basically. All right, Keith, Keith, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're getting a little bit shy on time. And the real, I got your point, and I think it's a very good point. God bless. Thank you very much. Take care. So Keith is saying, now, I, I think it's a good point. I don't necessarily agree with all of what he said, but I think it's a good point. And I want to reiterate it, because he's saying that scripturally there is movement that is required by the faithful of God. Mm-hmm. And he's giving examples of, of several biblical examples of moving out of where you are to where God wants you to be. Right. I think that Revelation is a book of symbols. So when it talks about getting out of Babylon, I don't think it's talking about a literal place, but a condition, a spiritual condition of a sinful representation of what Christianity is. That's what I think it it means. So we differ on that, but I appreciate the point that he's saying, you want to go to where you can thrive in terms of being the best Christian you can. And, you know, he says he wouldn't live within 100 miles of the Atlantic Ocean. Well, you and I live right on the coast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But the point for us, and, and it's a point well taken, again, Keith, thank you for the call, is that we want to move, I think it means move spiritually to the purest understanding of Scripture that we can find so that we are worshiping and following after the right things and not the deceptions. Because, you know, the the scriptures are replete in the New Testament with warnings of wolves coming in to to take advantage of the flock and and having all of the wrong attitude. So, Keith, well well said. Thank you very much for your call and, and the input here. So, so Jonathan, back to this as we begin to wrap this up. And, folks, if you do have a thought, now is definitely the time, 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. CQ Rewind, the full edition, the premium content. i got to start saying that. CQ Rewind, premium content, only available at ChristianQuestions.com. Sign up. It's a free service. There is no obligation. We just want you to have the tools to look at and then decide what you think. Uh, Jonathan, as, and also, if you would like to email us, do so at Rick, R-A-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. Christian question, Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. So this concept of Tyre and Sidon and Sodom, evil, evil places being compared with cities that Jesus preached in. And Jesus, in his own words, saying, these evil, evil, evil places are going to have a better time of it in the Day of Judgment, gives us a sense that there is definitely hope. Absolutely. So now, this is, it's not only a worldwide opportunity toward hope, but it's a generational opportunity toward hope, from the earliest of times through the present. And again, we go back to Jeremiah chapter 31, now verses 31 to 34. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke. Although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart. Now, I mean, just let those words sink in. Just start that sentence again. Sorry. I will put my law within them and on their heart. I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. So now we have the context, remember, of... Every man is accountable for their own sins. Yes. And now, once you have that accountability in place and having worked its fruition, now you have this rest of, of, of Jeremiah 31 coming, coming to pass. And it really makes sense 
that the law is written on their hearts. That's right. So, so now, you know... In, that in, full discernment, right, disclosure. Right. Now, now, Fred, during the, the break, had asked a, an important question. You know, looking back at the Boston terrorism and then the bombings, you got these people that per- perpetrated pure, unadulterated evil. Yes. How do they, how are they accountable for their sins in that day of judgment? Well, they're going to be going to those victims, I would think... It, and ask for total forgiveness. And they're going to have to mean it, though. Oh, yeah. But they're going to have to mean They're going to have to find a way to show that their heart has been turned from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. They're going to have to have received that full discernment of, of the truth of God. And they're going to have to take that and show and literally live that, that, uh, that repentance. That's right. And I don't know how that's going to work. I, I don't know that the scriptures tell us exactly how that's going to work, but they're going to be responsible for it. And how about the victims themselves? They're going to have to be able to see that repentance, if the repentance is there. Okay, I'm not saying it will be, but if it was there, and, and to be able to receive it fully and completely. And accept it. So we all, the Day of Judgment is a, is a time where all are going to have to really dig down to the deepest recesses of their heart and find their true intention of their lives and focus it on God or suffer the consequence of destruction. I mean, that, that's really what it, what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a, enough time and enough things in place where that can all, all work out. Um, Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. And obviously this is talking about Jesus. He will not cry, nor lift up his voice, nor cause it to be heard in the street. A bruised reed will not break, and a dimly burning wick will not be quenched. He will bring forth justice in truth. And again, that is a prophecy of Jesus not only living his sacrificial life, but bringing the results of the sacrifice. See, there's a reason why Jesus came and went and comes again. Mm -hmm. He came and went to provide the ransom price, to provide the price that needed to be paid. So he came as the lamb to be sacrificed to, to lift us up because we all are in the, in, in the sin of Adam. He comes back, he returns as the lion. As a king. As the king, as the one who is ruling the world. And he will bring forth tr- justice in truth. And finish up the, the verse. And he will not fail nor be discouraged till he have set justice in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Now think about that. This is a prophecy. And if you believe in the prophecies of God, how do you interpret this? He will not fail until he has set justice in the earth. I mean, justice in the earth, that doesn't mean just justice here in Connecticut in the studio where we work. It completely covers it. It covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. He sets it in the earth and the isles, all of the lands, shall wait for his law. I mean, that is a comprehensive picture of what this day of judgment is going to bring us. And and, and so, Jonathan, as we wrap this up, there's so much here, and and we really just touched on on, on the day of judgment. There's so many other scriptures that, that are involved in this. But the bottom line is, there's accountability for every man, woman, and child who's ever lived. Mm -hmm. And those who are sinful and exceedingly sinful, when they are raised in this day of judgment, in this resurrection of judgment, they got a lot of work to do. A long way to go. And God will not let anybody pass through that without having to face fully and completely and with utter accountability their own, their own life, their own words, their own actions, and their own thoughts. Yes. Now... How does God make sure, how does God make sure that 
they're not just giving him lip service. And you know, it's, it's amazing how the plan of God thinks of everything. We won't read the scripture, but in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 to 9, it talks about something specific. What is it? It's talking about uh, this little season, this little test at the end of the judgment. day of judgment. So you have the day, and, and incidentally, folks, we're going to be speaking about this in a couple of weeks, so you want to stay with us for that. That will be coming up specifically talking about that little season. But the bottom line is, God has a plan of redemption that is so full, so complete, so comprehensive, that everyone who has ever lived has the opportunity, according to God, to be righteous. Once they cross into righteousness and follow after God, truly with their whole heart, they're good. If they don't, then there's destruction. The point is, justice will be served in a loving, compassionate, wise, and powerful way, because that's the way... God works. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We have certainly enjoyed discussing the Day of Judgment with you. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But until then, what happens on Judgment Day? Lots to consider. We'll be back next week. Think about it.